In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Please sit. The Feast of All Saints, which we remember on the calendar on November 1st, is a part of a series of days in which Christians give thanks, mostly for other Christians, who have gone before us. And it's a series of days in which we pay some attention to the dead. It's part of three days, actually, beginning with Halloween, or All Hallows' Eve, then All Saints' Day, followed by All Souls' Day. And the three days are rooted, most likely, in ancient Celtic culture, and especially in the pagan feast of Samhain, when people would light big fires, like bonfires, to ward off the ghosts. It's similar, though, for sure, to other festivals in other cultures that happen really at the same time of year, almost the same moment. One of the popular ones lately is Dia de los Muertos, right? It's the same idea, same example. But in the 8th century, Pope Gregory III sort of claimed this moment in time, in the human calendar, as a Christian holiday. And all three days became sort of what you might call a thin place, which is a phrase that some of you might have heard before. It's, it's a very specific phrase that we also borrow from Celtic culture, from Irish and Scottish roots, mostly. But it expresses this same idea that in this moment in time, it feels like the veil between us is thinner, that it's possible in some ways to walk in two worlds at the same time, to be mortal and to experience our mortal world, but also to experience more realistically, more closely, the things that we normally can't see or can't feel. It's this idea that the connection between us and the people who have gone before us is closer and deeper than we think. That somehow in this time we're able to catch a glimpse of what else and who else might be there that we can't see. And this has been true about this moment in the calendar for generations, not just for Christians, but for people all over the world since at least the fourth or fifth century. So there's something about our human nature, our being, that calls us to this idea. And so All Hallows' Eve becomes a time when Christians are aware of this thin veil, as we call it, of what might lurk out there in the dark, right? Of the things that go bump in the night. And this progresses, especially here in this country, into something that looks like Halloween, right? With costumes. And, and that comes from, in part, the idea that if we dress up, we can ward off the evil spirits. We can send them away. We can mock them, almost, and take away their power. And then the next day on All Saints Day, the church gives thanks for the saints. And here it's a big capital S, right? Big S, saints. So the saints and prophets of God who have gone before us, who built up the church in their day, who did the work to pass the story of Jesus forward. The big S saints who are all over the place, all over the map, all over the story of our faith. There are many who are sort of saints of old, right? The people we hear about in our scriptures, the apostles, the disciples, 
St. Stephen the martyr, he's the first martyr. We, it's the first feast, actually, after Christmas. Perhaps there are some that you're more familiar with, particularly if you come from a, a liturgical background. Maybe you like St. Christopher, the patron saint of travelers. I'm particularly fond of Jude, who's the patron saint of lost causes. You laugh, but it's true. <laughs> it's an interesting conversation if you want to have it someday. In fact, most days, um, I actually wear, ironically, I didn't put it on this morning, but most days I actually wear a Medal of Joan of Arc around my neck, almost every day. There are plenty of women, too, certainly all the Marys in Scripture are saints of God who have added a different kind of life and different kind of perspective. There are people all over the map in terms of gender and life experience and the ways in which we live and experience our identities. And there's saints all the way up, right up until now. Our Anglican calendar actually includes people that you would know and think of as modern, like Martin Luther King Jr. Or maybe some of you have heard of Polly Murray, who is actually an Episcopal priest and a human rights activist and lawyer who now has a college named after her at Yale. Amazing, fantastic woman. And all throughout time, there are these people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Augustine and his mother Monica and the church fathers and nuns and monks and people like St. Teresa of Lisieux who lived, some of them, these very big lives and did these very big things, but also some of them lived these very quiet, very small, rarely noticed lives and are remembered as well for the ways that they can teach us to love and to serve. In fact, that's why we remember all of these stories. For us as Episcopalians, as Anglicans, it's mostly about companionship, about the fact that these people, their stories, they have something to teach us about what it means to live a faithful life, to take a stand against evil, to share the good news of the gospel, to live in the world as people who believe that we are saved, to choose the righteous path, the path of the servant, the path of love. And so we remember their stories so that we can learn from them, so that we can learn from them how to hold on to Jesus when things get hard, so that we can learn from them how to make sacrifices of ourselves to serve other people, so that we can learn from them how to build up the church and the community of faith in our own day. And then finally, the third day in this series is called All Souls Day. And for a lot of us, that's a day that maybe doesn't ring a bell and is not something that is celebrated here in this place. But there are Episcopal churches that still celebrate it. And it's remembered on November 2nd. And it's the feast in which we pray for everyone literally all the souls that God has ever created that have passed on. And in recent years, the celebration of all saints has taken on a little bit of that all souls note to it. In fact, we'll do that here in this space tonight. For some of us, the two are sort of melded together. So we will gather tonight, not just to give thanks for the big S saints, but also to give thanks for the little S saints in our life, the people that we love and see no longer. And also, I think for some of us, the other people we love and see no longer, regardless of faith tradition, regardless of belief, 
we commend them all to the God whose ways and heart and mind and thoughts are bigger than ours. So these three days on the Christian calendar, they sort of hang together. And they call us to be mindful, I think, of the stories of these great ones and small ones who came before us, but also, hopefully, of our own story. I hope that they also inspire us to be mindful of ourselves, of the lives we live, and of how they will end. When we are gone, will someone remember our faith, our witness? Will they remember that we believed in the good news of Jesus? Will they give thanks that we passed that story forward, that we shared the good news with them? Will they remember that we built up the church, giving of ourselves and contributing to the needs of the saints by supporting our community of faith? As we look at these stories of the saints, it should beg in us the question of how we will be remembered and of what we will leave behind. And as Christians, it's important to remember we don't ask these questions so that we can focus on some kind of morbid future. That's not the point. Instead, we ask these questions and we look at the lives of the saints so that we can remember how to live now, right? Jesus says, I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So the question isn't about the future so much as it is, what am I doing right now? In his letter to the Ephesians this morning, Paul writes, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe. It's an amazing prayer. I pray that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation, that you might see with the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you might know the hope to which he has called you, know the riches of his glorious inheritance, and what is the greatness of his power for us who believe. What a prayer for them, for them to know and to hold and to experience all of those things. And all of it hangs on this belief in what Jesus has done, in the hope of the resurrection, in the hope of eternal life, in the promise that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, that nothing and no one who is loved is ever truly lost to us if we believe. The riches of Jesus' good news, the inheritance we have as God's children, to live with enlightened hearts that can see the possibilities to love and to serve and to grow. Hearts that are alive, hearts that are beating, hearts that are paying attention. And all of this done with the power of God. The same God who created the heavens and the earth and who calls each one of us by name and promises us a place, a seat at the table, at that eternal feast. It's an amazing prayer. And it is my prayer for you and for all of the people that you love as well. And it feels like a close prayer this morning. This morning is not the first time in our life together, 
in these last couple of years, that we come to remember all saints, that we come to this thin place these three days where we have lost someone that we love as a community. And if you read your email this week, you know that we will gather on Sunday next week to bid farewell to someone who was beloved of this place. And we are going to talk about him next week. That is our job next week. But it is not the first time that this has happened in this part of the year, in this part of the calendar. And each time it does, I think that it should be a poignant, concrete reminder for all of us about why we are here, here in this space and here on this earth together, about time and about how fleeting it is, about how uncertain life can be, and about what our life together in Christians in this place is really about. We are about the care of souls. We are about the growth of spirits. We are about the softening of hearts and the easing of pain and the sharing of good news. We are about the giving of good gifts. We are about justice and equality and mercy and kindness and peace and love. And all of this because we believe together as one body in the hope to which he calls us in that hope of eternal life. Because hopefully with enlightened hearts, we can see at least sometimes, though none of us are perfect, we can see at least sometimes a little more clearly the people around us that we love, the people around us that we miss, and God's invitation to step more deeply into the work of the gospel that is always about justice and love and peace. We are about moving forward together, growing not only as individuals, but growing as a community and learning together how to offer the riches of God's grace to anyone who would listen, to anyone who would claim them. And about witnessing to what God's power can do working in us. And I have seen that power in this community. To what God can do when we gather together in this place, in other places, when we commit ourselves to serving and to loving our neighbors. I hope that this morning and this evening when we gather to celebrate all saints, that you will find your place in this story, your spot in this arc of history, in this story of salvation. And you should be humbled to find your spot along people like Mother Teresa, and Lancelot Andrews, and the family member who taught you to pray, and the person who held you when you cried. It's a privilege to stand in that landscape with those people and to be part of the story, part of passing it forward, part of building up our community together. And I hope that you will claim for either the first time, or the fifth time, or the 500th time, the hope of the resurrection the promise of what God is doing, the promise of our continued connection, that thread that holds us together with the people that we love and see no longer. And I hope you will recommit yourself to the following in the footsteps of the saints who have gone before us, including our beloved friends that we have just lost here in the last year.
I hope that like them, you will use what you have to build up this place, to build up your faith and to pass the story forward. This is how we show people the real power of God. Amen.